You don't think it'd be that hard to write a song? It's not writing a song. All the elements are there. Just because you got all the friggin' ingredients doesn't mean the food's going to come out good. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Carrera. It is Thursday. You know what that means. Levin Black is here. Hi, Levin. Yahoo. <laughs> That's as excited as he gets, everybody. Uh, please, before we continue, uh, like, subscribe to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Stats on Fire, and please rate, review, and follow both the Gold Standard and the Niners Nation Podcast Networks. I know you're probably tired of hearing me say that. We're getting to the end of the line, I promise. Hopefully, by the end of this week, we should get a resolution there. But if you do leave a review, I promise you, we will see it. We will read it on the show. Last week, you stunned the world, Levin, by revealing that you worked in a strip club. <laughs> but you couldn't remember the name, and you said it was like something like Four Aces or something terrible like that. So what we did was we asked you for the strip club names near you because there are some fantastic strip club names. This one, this oh, review on. comes I from— I did figure it out. I Googled oh, okay. it. okay. What was it, it? It was, remember I said it was something aces, I could have sworn. Aces, it was an ace of diamonds was their logo, but it was chances are was their name. Chances are. That's not, that's not terrible. And I also remembered more about how it happened. They didn't have anybody. It was literally two seniors who just showed up at the strip club before they actually like started for the night. It was like. Hey, we were wondering if you wanted to sponsor our soccer team and managed to get to the manager in the mansion. You know, it only costs like 200 bucks to get some jerseys made. That's how it happened. Yes. Levin played on a recreational sports team that was sponsored by the strip club. Yes. I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> totally appropriate. Niner fan in Huntington Beach says five stars. Best 49er podcast. Love that Rob got this going so quickly after the sad news. Appreciate all the insight from everyone and the support from the old Niners Nation team. In regards to the gold standard show, Captain Creams near Irvine, California. Awesome name of a strip club. Cheers, Huntington Beach Niner fan. That's outstanding. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I uh... see. I knew we would get some good ones. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. It would also be a great nickname to have. Okay, so you you started off as like a good thing, and then you just well, took it. I'm not saying me. You took right. it to a place it didn't need to go. Can you imagine that being your nickname? Hey, what's up, Captain Creams? Nope, and I'm is, not going to. Is that uh, the nickname of the American Pie guy, Jason Biggs? Yeah, that'd I be don't. a good nickname for him. Because all right, we all really... know why it would be a good nickname for him. Let's move on to what we're going to talk about in this show. Obviously, the big story is the Brock Purdy surgery getting delayed. We'll get to that, uh, how that benefits or changes things, I should say, for Trey Lance. Tim Kawakami has a very interesting column in The Athletic, uh, made some offseason predictions that we'll dive into. And somebody was released by the Tennessee Titans that may be an interesting target for the San Francisco 49ers. Let's start with the Brock News, Levin. I was sitting around a couple nights ago thinking my 49ers and five was done. I was playing some video games. All of a sudden, bloop, I get the little tweet from Tom Pelissero and Brock Purdy's surgery gets delayed. And here we are back on this merry-go-round from hell where no matter what happens, 
we don't know what's going on with the quarterbacks. Yeah, it's not uh, good news. Uh, so I, I don't, definitely don't want to present it as that. Uh, it could end up being terrible news, and we just don't know that yet. We, we don't know. Uh, I don't believe pretty much anything that's being said right now in terms of, oh, they still expect it to be the six-month right. time frame. And all. At this point, I don't think they can know, especially if they're still swelling. You know, it means they can't get as good of an image. I will say, though, that it made me wonder, okay, when did Nick Mullins get his surgery? How long did it take him to have his surgery after the injury? And the answer is 37 days. At this point, as of Thursday, uh, Brock Purdy's at, uh, I believe, 26 days. So if he has the surgery sometime, basically, I would say before like March 10th, he's in that same time frame as Nick Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins was a six-month recovery. Uh, he was ready to go at training camp. He had it on January 26th, and he was ready to go for training camp literally six months almost to the day later with the Eagles. Uh, and then I just think if it goes past that, though, that's when I'm no longer going to sit here. You know, right now I'm kind of in a holding pattern. Like, eh, I'm not saying it's absolutely terrible. I'm just worried. If it gets past, I would say March 10th, that's when I, I'm probably going to go nuclear and think, okay, it, like if this guy ever makes it back, then it's gravy on the train. It's a cherry on top, but I, you can't count. But even that sort of estimate is assuming he has the six-month UCL right. repair, which we still don't know. And I, I, I really think the fact that, that this hybrid surgery, you know, Brock found out about it. He told us all about it. It's a distinct possibility, especially like we got into, if there's any kind of uncertainty by the surgeon during the procedure, it's a lot of stuff is up in the air. Let's just say that. And I think it's interesting, Levin. We've had two quarterbacks with injuries. Trey Lance had a setback. And yes, people, it was a setback. I'm, I'm tired of arguing about that on Twitter. And now Brock Purdy did not get surgery when we thought he was going to get surgery. It's like, man, not only do we have multiple quarterbacks get injured, now we've had multiple quarterbacks not have things go according to plan. And from the team perspective, I think their date of wanting the surgery done and hoping for is March 13th because that's when the uh, legal tampering period opens and they can start talking to free agents. And basically what that means is that's when they need to know if Purdy is likely to be back at the beginning of the season. And thus they don't really need to go get a true, you know, veteran backup who if train Lance gets injured again, can step in and still keep their chances of making the playoffs alive. If he doesn't have the surgery by then, I think you have to go with the assumption that he won't be back. Not that that means it's more likely, just that you have to protect yourself. You got it. That is the most important position. Trey Lance has gotten injured twice in four starts, three three times if you want to count the preseason finger injury. So you can't assume, well, we'll wait for Brock Purdy surgery and Brock Purdy surgery comes on the 16th or the 17th of March. And it's bad news. And now all the better free agent backups are already signed. And you're left holding the bag of, well, we hope Trey Lance stays healthy. That's a good point. But the uh, the reverse might actually slow the market down. There may be a couple quarterbacks out there that are like, you know what? San Francisco is a pretty good landing spot for me. Uh, you know, as someone who's not going to start necessarily, 
if I get in there, if I get a chance to play, I could really help my stock and my career. Maybe I'll wait a little before signing. Um, so that it's going to be like an interesting dance. I can't wait to hear from Kyle and John at the combine next week, huh? Yeah. They're going to be in a great mood, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I would guess they'll probably avoid the media as much as possible. I don't see them being very open to interviews that they don't have to do. I don't see them, you know, popping in for a minute or two here with this segment uh, of the media and all that. Uh, they'll probably kind of shy away because right now they, they don't have a good answer. Hey, what are you going to do? Oh, we have no clue because we don't know what our quarterback's going to be. Lynch always talks. He'll, yeah, you, right. Kyle will make him go up there. He's certainly going to talk at St. Elmo's after a few drinks. We know that. Yeah, he is. It's almost <laughs> worth flying down there just to sit next to him. I don't even have to ask him anything. Just sit next to him and listen to all his conversations. Um, <laughs> Figure I think out what be... uh, place he's at and just send him free drinks. It, it'll be really <laughs> interesting because now we don't know like, what's he going to say at the combine, right? He's going to say, well, this, he's going to downplay it, right? Yeah. He's going to say, it's no big deal. It's just a little extra swelling. It's only a week. It's not going to delay his time frame. But here's the thing the six month time frame, that also assumes that everything goes perfectly. It assumes he has the six month surgery. It assumes he has no hiccups in rehab. It assumes he has no infections. It assumes he can ramp up his throwing. Like, all, you know, that's the best case scenario. And we don't really think about it or talk about it a lot as football fans. But like when guys have surgery, a lot of times it doesn't go totally according to plan. There are infections. There are things in rehab that pop up. Mm -hmm. It happens more than we talk about. There's one person I want to hear from because we nobody really knows where he's at in terms of whether he's going to keep playing. I know he I know he said at the end of the season that he feels like he has a lot of good football left or something along those lines. But I want to know where Matt Ryan is. I want to know if he actually does like Kyle Shanahan. You know, he won an MVP with Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, but Kyle Shanahan's hard on quarterbacks. He might not truly like playing for Kyle, even though he won an MVP. And Kyle, even though Matt Ryan won an MVP, might not actually be a huge fan of Matt Ryan. So, you know, we don't know the truth behind those relationships. I guess if I had to pick that, yeah, they do like each other. And I think that that would be a good fit because if you're Matt Ryan, you got to be looking at it as he's looking for his swan song, right? What better swan song than, you know, he can't be hoping for this, but the quarterback goes down, he gets to step into a contending team and makes a long playoff run. There's his swan song. Maybe it ends in a Super Bowl championship. Maybe it doesn't. But you would think that his best potential for being the starting quarterback of a Super Bowl winning team this offseason is San Francisco. It makes all the sense in the world. We know Kyle generally tends to favor guys he's familiar with. Um, I did see a report that he that Matt Ryan was, quote, very interested in a career in broadcasting. I don't know necessarily if there's a spot for him now. Maybe there is. Maybe a network will make a spot for him. God knows there's a couple people they could they could let go and football fans wouldn't be too upset. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to go through that, too. Right. Like if he can he make, you know, five million playing or five million broadcast. I don't know what the, you know, the market would be for him as a not top tier analyst. But, you know, like, what would you rather do if I was Matt Ryan? I would rather say, forget the NFL. Let me do the broadcasting. I mean, it depends. You, you gotta, it's not just the logical aspect of it because yeah, the logic would say, eh, yeah, I'd rather go into the broadcast booth, but 
there's the competitive aspect of it. He has not won a Super Bowl. He is a guy that if he had won a Super Bowl by now, nobody would be talking about whether or not he gets in the Hall of Fame. He'd be in the Hall of Fame. But as it is, he's probably not getting in. You know, he's somebody that has a lot of the compiling stats because he started for a long time and did well. He just wasn't truly elite except for arguably one year. Uh, but if he had a Super Bowl title, I think he would be a shoo-in for, for the Hall of Fame. So he might be looking at it as, I just need a chance to get that Super Bowl, have my swan song, like I said. And if he can ride off into the sunset with a Super Bowl victory where he, he came in for you know, an injured Trey Lance, God forbid, that's like the ultimate grade A, can't beat it swan song for him. And it's, I think, the only avenue he has that has a, a somewhat decent chance of happening because any other contending team is led by a quarterback that doesn't have the this injury history. It's kind of crazy. In With Shanahan in 2016, Matt Ryan threw for almost 5,000 yards, 49-44, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, right? Wins the MVP. A couple of years later in 2018 with Steve Sarkeesian, he throws for 49-24, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, pretty similar year. Now he had a lot of more, he had like 70 more pass attempts with Sarkeesian, but you know, everyone always talks about the one year with Matt Ryan and the MVP. It's like, well, he actually had two pretty damn good years. His MVP came in a weird year because his MVP season is honestly one of the worst MVP seasons of recent years. It's a great season. I don't want to put it down, but the way the NFL is now, the MVPs are, yeah, he had the yards that are around what an MVP has, but there are almost always 40-plus touchdowns these years. So it, it's kind of a weird year. 38 touchdowns, seven picks for Matt Ryan. That was the year Brady only played 12 games, mm -hmm. too. So that's a key factor. Although Aaron Rodgers did have 40 touchdowns and seven picks that year. So Yeah, but not as good of a record. That's what got them. Yeah. Anyway, enough about Matt Ryan. Um, <laughs> but the the runway's there for Trey to reclaim the oh, starting yeah. job, which is wild because I feel like he went. He doesn't have to reclaim it. The starting job is his. It's whether or not he plays poorly enough that they go to somebody else, whether that's Brock returning or whatever. In a span of a year, I feel like he went from you're the starter, you're hurt, Jimmy's there. Uh-oh, Jimmy's taking the job back. Jimmy's hurt. Okay, Trey. Get healthy next year. You're the guy again. Oh, wait, here comes Brock Purdy not losing a game, throwing two touchdowns every week. Now it's Brock Purdy's job, and Trey's going to have to catch up. And then Brock Purdy goes down in the NFC Championship game, and guess what, Trey? You got a chance to take the job again. In less than a year, that's the journey that Trey Lance has been on, and he's only had four career starts. Yeah, I, I'm personally, I'm excited. Obviously, I'm a big Trey Lance guy. Uh was on that train very early and I'm still on that train. I still believe Trey Lance is going to be a really good quarterback. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, my motto this offseason is give Lance a chance. And <laughs> I mean it. I think Lance is our best opportunity. I think Brock is a safe, reliable that might be good enough to get a Super Bowl in one of these years. But I don't think he has elite level high side. I don't think he has that. And I think Lance does, so I want to see what Lance can do. And if he doesn't pan out, then so be it. You you figure it out after that, whether that's going back to Brock, if Brock gets back healthy, or diving back into 
the uh, NFL draft, just as those first round picks start to be a thing again for the 49ers. <laughs> hey, did you see the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, listed teams that he wants to play for? He listed the Raiders. He listed somebody else that I can't remember and the Niners. There was three teams on his list and the Niners were on it. And he's going to be in the 2024 draft, probably. And that first round pick is back. Yeah, yeah but uh, that first round pick is very likely to be in the upper 20s at best. Well, who, yeah, but you know what? They didn't have the third overall pick the year they took Trey Lance. No, they, they, they found a way like, to get there. You're not getting there from 27, 28, 29, 30. You can get there. Sure you can. You just will. What are you willing to give up? That's the question. But again, we're we're jumping ahead. <laughs> I'm rooting for Trey. I really hope he's back. I really hope he gets the chance. And just, you know, I, I feel like people are expecting him to be a finished product at OTAs, right? Like the scrutiny he's going to be under his first pass is going to be like, oh, it's not a perfect spiral. Oh, it was a little high. He's not any better. He's the same guy. He stinks. It's over. It's like, no, don't. He. That's the beginning of the journey, not the end. Like to me, and, and this is something that Jason Aponte said when Lance was a rookie, and I totally agreed. It's not about any one particular day. It's about the progression. How much does Lance improve from day one to the end of OTAs, from the beginning of training camp to the end of training camp? That's really what you want to see because that's what it's always been about with Trey. It's never been about where he is right now. It's about where we think he can be and reaching that ceiling that everybody seems to think he has. I just want to see him stay healthy. And my thought process is if he stays healthy, all of that will take care of itself. I think it will too. I hope it will. God. <laughs> at least at least give me an answer to the question by the end, whether it's good or bad, right? I hate uncertainty. Right now I'm dealing with a lot of uncertainty. I don't know where I'm going to work. I'm trying to find a job. I'm applying to places every single day. I hate this part of it. The waiting is crushing me. You got one certainty. You're stuck with this guy. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm <laughs> clinically depressed. No, but like, honestly, I would rather click the apply button and instantly get a response. You're in or you're out than the waiting. The waiting is killing me. Mm -hmm. I don't deal well with it. And we've been waiting since 2021 to see Trey Lance and we still haven't. And I can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, you're going to have to figure out how to take it because you got no choice. <laughs> I know. That's uh, the hardest part. Look, like you said, the runway is there. It's not he can earn the starting job back. It's he has the starting job. He will be, if he's healthy, starting week one because at this point, Purdy won't be back for week one. I, I think you can count on that. He will not be ready to go 100% week one where they're going to throw him back out there. So Trey Lance has his opportunity, and it's his job to lose pretty much. That's the way I would look at it. If he does everything he's supposed to, he's going to get the opportunity to show that, and that means it's his job to lose. I'm not so sure about that. I think that if, if Brock Purdy can throw a football – He's going to be the starter week one. I because remember Kyle talked about like, oh, he doesn't have to ramp up after the six months. He'll be ready to go after yeah. the six months. I could see Kyle pushing him to come back a little early. Honestly, you would hope Kyle has learned his lesson on that crap. <laughs> hey, this really terrible injury that if it was a little bit worse means you would have been out twice as long and likely not ever been the same quarterback again. Let, let's push you back early. Let, let's let's push the agenda here. Yeah, that, that sounds but like a great idea. 
it's a dicey situation though, right? Because if you're Brock, you're itching to go early too, right? Because you're like, I can't, I can't wait. I can't afford to wait. What if I wait and Trey comes in and plays great and then I never get another shot again? So it's, it is a very dicey situation with the way they're going to have to handle all that. It is. And if I'm Brock Purdy, uh, I, I don't push it. it. It's better to be the backup than be on IR. I asked this question to Jason and Steph, and they didn't really answer it to my satisfaction. And I feel like I'll get a, a definitive answer for you. Let's say Brock is back, right? But Trey has been killing it. But they're both ready to go week one. And the quarterback competition, for lack of a better term, is tied. Who do you think gets the edge? Does Brock get the edge because of everything he did last year? Or does Trey get the edge because they moved up to three, they gave up all those picks, and they do think he has a high ceiling? Okay, so I'm speaking from basically Kyle Shanahan's point of view since he would get to make that choice. Is that how you're wanting? Or my own personal Both. I want both. Uh, For Kyle, it's Brock Purdy. Uh, I think he's made that clear. I agree. Uh, For me, you know what Brock Purdy is, or at least you have a much better idea of what he is, and it's really good. But like I said, he doesn't have the same high side. So if I'm Kyle in that scenario, and a lot of this I think would depend on the locker room, I think this is one of those scenarios that if you personally think they're equal and you're fine with going with either one of them, I would – probably gauge from your leaders your captains okay uh is the team going to be pissed if purdy's ready to go and then we don't go back to him since he won that locker room last year or are they seeing what i'm seeing where lance has just taken it to a whole new level and we're seeing all that potential come to fruition and thus we need to give him the opportunity because that's the position i would say if lance is looking good enough to where kyle is hesitating to go back to brock something that he knows what it is right then you need to see what that is you need to give lance a chance like i said and see how it goes for four games now is that a big sample size is that unfair to trey yeah because he hasn't gotten that many opportunities so giving him only four games to prove it sucks for him but at the same time it's a contending team and when you have a guy that you think has a very good chance of being good maybe not elite but good you don't get as long of a leash as you normally would so that would be my personal perspective if Trey Lance looks like he has progressed from the previous offseason right you need to see how he can progress with game experience everything you said there is logical and reasonable and I get that like if they really are tied you need a tiebreaker and who the locker room wants is as good a tiebreaker as any but I like how much faith can we really put in what the locker room wants, right? The locker room wanted Jimmy and guess what? Brock came in, played well. And now all of a sudden they want Brock. Like the locker room is fickle. They will like whoever comes in and wins that it's proven. They love Jimmy cause he won. They love Brock cause he won. Like it's, it's not like, you know, there's some sort of secret quality that those two guys have that separate them. Locker rooms always like quarterbacks that win. So, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like, I don't put too much stock in it. One, because they'll like anyone that wins. And two, what are they going to do if they don't like the starter? Are they not going to play? Like, what is the big consequence that you're so terrified of? I, I, I will say that I think Kyle Shanahan has enough uh, leeway. He's been around. He's won enough that 
he could go to Trey Lance, and even if the locker room wanted Purdy and is mad about it, you know, you have some veterans mad about it or whatever, and the team doesn't win and they start out, you know, one in three or something like that, I would think that they wouldn't pretty much turn on Kyle. If then Kyle flipped back to Purdy, I think they would still be on board. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's been around. They've won with him. So I don't think it's the same situation as, say, like an inexperienced court or coach who's still trying to establish himself, still trying to prove that he is the guy playing this quarterback situation and fumbling it, for lack of a better way to put it, then losing the locker room permanently and it all going downhill from there. So I would think Kyle has the ability to go, I know you guys want him, but we're going to see what Trey can do. And if it doesn't work out, we'll we'll deal with that then. I hope, but I could also see a scenario where Kyle calls Trey into his office and says, hey, Trey, you've been playing really well. You know, you and Brock are neck and neck, but I just think we're going to go with Brock. You know, the locker room is really behind him and we're going to make that move. If I'm Trey Lance, I'm like, oh, really? The locker room is behind Brock? You mean your buddies that you go on vacation with every year like Brock Purdy? Like, that's not a good situation. I don't like Shanahan vacationing with those guys. You need separation. Shanahan is supposed to be here, and the players are supposed to be here, lower, beneath him. It's a it's a superior, subordinate situation. I don't like that he's going on vacation with those guys. I think, if anything, it will lead him to put too much stock in what they think and what they say. I could care less what vacations Kyle Shanahan takes and who he takes with. But I would say that I can see a scenario where Kyle is the arrogant version that we know exists. And he doesn't <laughs> even ask for opinions. He just does what he wants. And that's hey, not what, what Debo about said, this is my offense. Debo said he doesn't do anything without asking the players. Yeah, I know. Are you calling Debo Samuel a liar? No, but I do think in certain situations, Kyle Shanahan could inflict his power and say yeah i think this is the best option at quarterback i'm going with it i don't need players input on it i think that's how they ended up with trey lance in the first place but we'll move on uh tim kawakami has an off-season prediction column one of his off-season predictions is that trey lance will have a very strong off-season not necessarily the boldest of takes but there was something in there that that bugged you a little bit <laughs> Yeah, it was a report from uh, a practice prior to his injury early last year where he said Trey Lance lined up wrong, and I think he said Juice had to correct him and that he thinks, you know, he, he used that as, like, he thinks Trey Lance will be more confident and, and not be trying so hard and be better, and that's why he's going to rise. But, you know, I saw that report, and it's like, you're telling us this now? <laughs> like, if that happened and you saw it, that means that happened when it was open media. And thus, True. it should have been on, reported on by a lot of different people. That The quarterback lining up wrong, even in practice, is somewhat noteworthy. I'm not saying you need to go, oh, Trey Lance is terrible. But it'd be, hey, Trey Lance lined up wrong on this play. Maybe he's struggling to pick things up. It could have been as simple as Trey Lance looked a little nervous. He actually lined up in the wrong spot for a play. Like you don't have to, like you said, how is that not reported by anybody? That's right. what bothers me. And that's honestly always been my rub with the whole 49ers press corps that I think they do sit on crap like that. Oh yeah, they do. And then the, what bothers me is what you said. Then it comes out later, right? When mm -hmm. it almost like kicking and a guy when, when he's down. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, 
Just tell us. Tell us what happens. That's your whole reason for being there because we can't be there. So just tell us what happens and we can make our own judgments about it. I don't like all the horse trading that goes on. Oh, I won't talk about this. But if you give me an interview with this guy or you let me have access to this, you let me sit in the draft room. I hate all that horse trading. It's one of the reasons why I think me being in Connecticut and you being, you know, not in California, I think that's helpful sometimes because we do have that kind of distance. We don't have that temptation of, hey, let me give you the access versus you know, shaping the message, changing the message as it goes out. I don't like that. Uh, that's a good a good thing by you that you caught because I actually didn't see that part of it. You need both. You need both of that type. You need one or two guys that are going to do the horse trading because that does give you access that otherwise would not exist. What Peter King gets or has gotten, I'm totally fine with. The problem is, is when everybody does it, except for one person and that one person then gets ostracized and basically given as minimal chance as possible Grant Cohn, <laughs> to ask questions and all. I mean, you see it, we've all seen it. Grant Cohn asks a question. It's a quick answer. Normally purposely tries not to answer the question and then nobody else follows up. And that that's my problem is that it seems like everybody in that press corps wants to horse trade. It's like, no, only only the people that actually have the ability that have gotten close enough and managed to be able to horse trade and get something out of it in return should be doing that. That That's my issue. Is it seems like there's a horse trading going on where they don't even get the exclusives in return. Right. It's just all benefiting it's the just, team. Well, and hopefully not I'm next up. in line after this reporter. <laughs> after Mayoko gets his annual interview yeah. or Greg Papa gets it. I mean, yeah, it's very frustrating. Just report everything as it happens. Uh, but there's some other stuff in the column, the prediction column from Kawakami, that's interesting. He thinks Jimmy Garoppolo will sign with an NFC South team, either the Saints or the Bucks. And then he says the Niners will sign Jacoby Brissett as quarterback insurance. Now, I think he's crazy because I think Brissett wants to start and played well enough last season to be a starter. But if that one comes true, that would be a huge win for the 49ers. I would absolutely take Jacoby Brissett on the team. That's who I said would be like my top choice. Uh, what, a month ago when we first started talking about this? I just don't see how it can happen because there's, there's another aspect here. Jacoby Brissett has never been paid the big money. You know what I mean? Like some of these people, like Andy Dalton, he's had a big contract. He's made a lot of money. Joe Flacco's made a lot of money. They might be willing to take a little bit less money to get onto a contending team with the opportunity of maybe getting to start because there's an injury-prone player in front of them. Jacoby Prasad isn't there. I don't see him taking a pay cut. He's somebody that's been making five, ten million dollars every year. He hasn't had that big twenty-plus million-dollar year. Oh, I thought there was more there. No, no. No, that, that's enough. Now, Brissett played better than, than Deshaun Watson played last year by far. 12 touchdowns, six picks, um, threw for, what is it, 163 yards a game. Like, that's exactly what you want out of your backup quarterback. He also ran in a couple touchdowns. Like, that would be a steal by the 49ers if they could work some sort of magic to make that happen. So if there's one prediction for this column I want to be correct, it might be that one. You know, that, that would be uh, the second of the trio piece, right? Get that old New England quarterback room. There'd just be one <laughs> left to get. I just can't get the one they actually want. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed they make a call uh, to try and get Brady, by the way. But uh, moving I, I, on. Yeah, I would say they they have at least reached out. 
100%. Uh, prediction four from Kyle Kami. The Niners will acquire a healthy defensive tackle to replace Javon Kinlaw. You think, Tim? That's not exactly a bold prediction. That's Tim making sure he doesn't go over in his offseason predictions. <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, they have to replace the guy that has not been available. And when he yeah. was available, he was getting tossed around as if Rob Stats Guerrero was out there playing. How dare you? I could fill some of those gaps. <laughs> At least you would probably fall down and like stand, you know, be in front of them and limit their ability to get out and block further downfield. But no, like they have to. Like they, Kinlaw is, if they don't move on from him to begin with, if he's still on the roster, it, it's almost the Jason Verrett of this past year of, yes. Hey, you're here because we can't get, I mean, that wasn't Verrett, but in his, scenario would be hey you're here because we can't get rid of you so uh if you turn into anything great but uh we brought in these other guys to take your job and uh, you know unless you suddenly miraculously find a new knee uh you're you're not gonna have much of a role kinlaw missed 11 games this year and he had the lowest run grade of any 49ers defender which is insane because that's what he's supposed to excel at 28.8 according to pro football focus and i get it pff isn't everything but damn 28.8 is really low and you're right like the one thing that that kinlaw was supposed to give you is somebody that doesn't get pushed around and we absolutely saw him getting pushed around maybe not as bad as it looked on twitter because i know eric armstead came to his defense but some of those plays were kinlaw's fault and that's not supposed to happen when you take a guy what 13th overall in the first round it sucks like i do feel bad for kinlaw because I do think his issue is the fact that his knee is shot. Yeah. And he can't he can't hold his ground because if you have one knee, the offensive line is just going to push you. Like, you have to be able to dig in as a defensive lineman, especially as a defensive tackle. You've got to be able to dig in and hold your ground, and you can't when you have one knee. So I feel bad for him because I think it is injury, and it's just bad luck. But, I mean, th there's a difference between me feeling bad for him and the human element and right. what he brings to this team and what he brings to this team is nothing he should because not be counted on they have to bring in somebody else and they also have Kalia davis too who's a defensive tackle who was hurt uh coming back from an acl all this year he's probably going to get a shot to get some of the snaps as well uh prediction six or prediction five excuse me from kawakami this is interesting he you predicts the niners we, are we gonna... don't get to six with the 49ers oh <laughs> too soon uh Kawakami predicts that McGlinchey and Robbie Gold will re-sign. Now, I don't think McGlinchey's going to re-sign because somebody's going to give him the bag. Yeah, like McGlinchey's gone. Gold, eh, I can see that. Uh, I mean, it's not like there's a huge free agent kicker market. It's You're kind of always waiting into the unknown. The Niners have done it extremely well, I would argue, over the last 10, 12 years because you know, from David Akers to then Phil Dawson, Robbie Gold, they've kind of hit pay dirt getting these older veteran kickers. Mm, Akers was sketchy as hell in 2012. In 2012, but he set the record for most field goals the prior year. Yes, he did. That's a Jim Harbaugh special, by the way. Yeah. Well, no, Fourth that's down, a Greg Roman Akers! <laughs> that's a Greg Roman special, but uh, yeah, so I, I think Gold will, pro will probably be back. I would say that's more likely than not. McGlinchey, I think the chances of him being back are extremely low. Somebody is going to give him at least 
14, 15 million a year. And I think it probably pushes more than that. And I don't think the Niners can afford anywhere close to that. That's the thing. I just, they're not going to win a bidding war with anybody for Mike McGlinchey. Right. It's not that the 49ers would be unwilling to pay him that. It's that they can't with the way their cap situation is. I I think that would be the best thing for the Niners would be bringing McGlinchey back. But I just, I just don't think you, there's only so much money you have to give around and he's going to get another offer. I wouldn't bring gold back unless it's super cheap. Like I would not give oh, him yeah. the franchise he tag. He doesn't get the amount that he he's been getting. Right. I mean, the tag this year is like five million and change. It would make him the second highest kicker beside Justin Tucker. And Robbie Gold is not that good. I'm sorry. He made 84 percent of his kicks this year. That was below his career average of 86 and a half percent. And and you know everyone's gonna love to tout the whole Robbie Gold's never missed a kick in the playoffs thing. But that doesn't mean he's never going to miss a kick in the playoffs. And first, you got to get to the playoffs. So, so I just, I'm sorry. I, I would not be upset. I just, you can't put that much money into a kicker when you're in the salary cap situation the 49ers have five million dollars for 40 year old Robbie Gold. I don't like it. And you know what? I think the Niners are going to end up doing it, Levin. The only time they ever used the franchise tag in the Shanahan-Lynch regime was on Robbie Gold in 2019. Now they reworked the contract, whatever, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all, and I don't want Robbie Gold back. I would personally rather see them chase one of the other available kickers. I mean... Or just uh, draft one. Well, that too. Like I, I've never understood that. Even going to college, like... That's I've never understood why teams out there don't go, go find me the kicker. Because I will tell you this, and I know this from firsthand experience, there are a lot of people in high school that are capable of being really, really good kickers, much better than your average college kicker and potentially NFL-level kickers that never go to college for that because literally nobody comes and, you know, they're just kicking for their high school. And nobody... How do you know this information? Because what's that based off of the fact that I know somebody that was capable of doing it. The fact that I could hit 50 yard field goals when I was in high school. Like there are a lot of people, there are a lot of soccer players that are capable of doing it. The, the guy who kicked for my high school, he was also a soccer player. He's, I played with him from sixth grade on. We, you know, we were same class. Uh, I didn't kick because I didn't want to compete against him. I wish I would have in retrospect, beat him to kicking but he could hit he was extremely accurate he was cap- if it was 40 yards and in he was making it and he was capable of hitting 45 to 50 yards he literally went to northwestern on a full scholarship academically they he never was asked to kick their kicker for northwestern literally could not make a field goal like a lot of college kickers can't make a field goal they're terrible he was somebody that could make them automatically. Like I think I think he made something like almost ninety percent of his kicks in in high school. And I I used to kick around because you know I obviously love football, and but I played soccer. I could hit. I wasn't as accurate as he was from underneath, but I the longest I ever hit was fifty five yards just in practicing. So you're saying you could have been an NFL kicker? To be clear, maybe, maybe, maybe if I really like dove into it you know i just did it on my own accord because i love doing it. i used to be able to punt a 45 yard punt dude you sound like that guy like oh, i would have made the nba if i didn't hurt i'm not my saying knee. it's likely i don't know what it is because i never truly like it, it was something i literally when i was bored in summer i would 
go out and go to a soccer field or a football field and just punt the ball and use a tee to kick the ball, a football, because I was bored. And I love doing that. I wish I would have pursued it. I'm not saying I would have definitely made the NFL or anywhere close to having a high percentage. But I know I did have the leg strength, certainly, to have been at that level. It's just whether or not I could have gotten the accuracy to the point of having an actual shot. Which is, right, by, so, by the way, a lot more people struggle with accuracy than the actual leg strength part of so it. So, in other words, you have no idea about 50% of the job, but you're sure you could have been an NFL kicker. No. Uh, <laughs> I was also left-footed. And that causes a whole problem. Does that help? Wrinkle. No. Hmm. All right. Think about your holder. How do they train to hold their entire time? Yeah, that's a good point. It changes everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, prediction number six from Tim Kawakami. The Niners will draft several offensive linemen in their first few picks. I support this theory because I don't give a crap who the starting quarterback is. You can make that guy a thousand times better if you have a good offensive line. And the Niners do have some work to do on theirs. Yeah, I don't want to see any third round running backs. Uh, I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want to see defensive line and offensive line. I want to see five or six of those drafted. I don't care that you're overdrafting and some of these guys will probably never see the field for the 49ers. Take your shots because you never know when they're going to pan out. And if you take enough shots, somebody's going to pan out. The more lottery tickets you buy, the better your chances are of winning. Uh, I like it. I want to see if Jason Poe uh, emerges as a possibility next year. Nick Zakel, a couple picks from last year that we haven't heard much from. But they need, they need to restock. Trent Williams is getting up there. There's some questions on the interior of the offensive line. We don't know what's going to happen with Jake Brendel. So they've got work to do there. So investing there uh, is smart. And I think the Niners will because they've basically told us and their drafts have shown us they build the team from the inside out, from the lines of scrimmage out. So I think they will. I'm not worried about that one. Uh, how about this one, Levin? This is something that you and I talked about. It's the last prediction in the column. Prediction seven. The Niners won't seriously consider trading Debo Samuel, but they might do some groundwork for next offseason. Okay. <laughs> like, How are you proven wrong on that one? That's one you can claim right. you're right even if nothing happens. That's true. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think that's ground. I don't think that's bold because I think most people at this point are assuming that the Niners will at least look into what they could get for Debo. Not that they'll definitely do it, but they're quickly running out of money and they got to find it somewhere. And if Ayuk has emerged and is truly the the wide receiver on this team, which is what we saw with Brock Purdy, by the way, Ayuk took off under Brock Purdy. Then at that point, you got to go, well, we want to pay Ayuk. If we pay Ayuk, we can have cheaper in this next couple of years. Whereas Debo has gotten expensive. We can trade him and afford to sign Ayuk. They will likely have to make that choice after this next season. They will have to make the choice between trading Ayuk or trading Debo. And I know that, and this is something that you've given him a lot of credit for, and I agree. Like, he does stress the defense, just his presence, because he's so versatile and he can line up in different spots. He does do all of that, but just strictly from a production standpoint, I mean, he caught 56 passes last year for 632 yards and had two receiving touchdowns. Now, he also chipped in with some rushing touchdowns, we all know, but like, you know... Going into last offseason, we were like, oh, my God, you can't get rid of Debo Samuel. He's so important. He was so great. He was so amazing. And this year, one year later, you're like, 
eh. Yeah, so, it's because defense is adjusted. Uh, if he's in the backfield, they're making damn sure that he can't get any daylight. Uh, I think defenses swarmed to him better than they did. I think they keyed on that, that, you know, wherever Debo is, safeties be paying attention so that you can get there sooner. Uh, and, you know, even in his big year, and I mentioned this last offseason, he only had 77 catches. So it's not like he was this high-volume guy. It's that right. he broke free on so many of them that he was able to get 1,400 receiving yards. That's not likely to be something that you can do consistently. Obviously, after the catch, Debo is as good as it gets in the league, but you're not going to break so many of them. And I have said I don't think Debo is that good of an actual wide receiver, just strictly wide receiver part of it. Obviously, he has a big effect, like you were saying, on everything because everybody has to key on him. But do you pay a premium for that effect? That's Especially the- when you have somebody else that's now able to have that effect on the underneath stuff in Christian McCaffrey. That's the big question. It's clearly there's an impact and there's an effect and it's valuable. There's It's absolutely valuable. But is it top of the market value when you're not also getting right. the actual production? I, I think Christian McCaffrey did nerf Debo to a certain extent. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty easy and I don't think anybody should be arguing to say that a good bit of the Christian McCaffrey catches would have been Debo catches if Christian McCaffrey had not been acquired. Eh, and that's thus, fair. Debo likely would have ended up with, you know, 70, 75 catches and closer to 1,000 yards. And we wouldn't be having as big of a conversation about this because he would have had a bigger year. But Christian McCaffrey does a lot of what Debo did. A lot of those underneath are now Christian McCaffrey. You don't need to have Debo doing that. So Debo's value is nerfed to a certain degree. Plus, you can have Debo blocking for Christian McCaffrey, which is not a bad thing. I do think that that's sort of an under-the-radar storyline for next year. How does Kyle Shanahan evolve in his usage of all these parts now, right? Because he was sort of changing the tire on a moving car during the year. They acquired McCaffrey. He kind of had to figure it out, right? A moving car that was changing, yeah. And he was changing drivers, too. And drivers and tires. Um but now he's got the whole offseason to tinker, basically. And I'm sure he's going to. Uh, so that'll be a fascinating thing to see how it evolves, especially if Trey Lance is there. That's the thing. If Lance is there, then you talk about stress on a defense between Lance and McCaffrey and Debo and Kittle. You could put any of those people and Juice. You could put any of them in the backfield. You could put any of them out wide. You could do anything with any of them. And now you have to also worry about Trey Lance as a runner. That would be an evolution of this offense. And I, I just want to see it so bad. Yeah, I, I do want to see it. But if Trey Lance pans out and, you know, everything you're saying is true, but everything you just said, there are a lot of shorter underneath. Like who's stretching the field at that point? That would become the question. Hey, who can stretch this defense out and stop them from cheating down? That's why Ayuk is so valuable. That's what he does. He stretches the field. And we saw when you get a quarterback who isn't scared to throw it more than 10 yards, <laughs> uh, even though he doesn't, ha- I would say Brock Purdy didn't have any stronger of an arm than Jimmy Garoppolo does. Brock Purdy allowed Ayuk to show what he is. He is a ridiculously good route runner who, if you throw with anticipation, will be open a lot. With a crazy catch radius, too. Really long arms. Like, it's so good there. Um, And that kind of leads me into the final 
thing that we're going to talk about today because Taylor Lewan is a free agent. He's a left tackle that was cut by the Tennessee Titans after nine years with the team, three-time Pro Bowler. Uh, he said he's talked about retirement. I know a lot of Niner fans think some think he'll be a low-cost option. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. If, he's, if he wants to play, he won't be cheap. But I don't want the 49ers to continue with this good enough mentality. Like, I feel like sometimes that's their that's their viewpoint when they acquire players or when they decide who starts. Like, okay, this person's good enough. Like, quarterback, we don't need a superstar quarterback. We just need a quarterback that could be a point guard, that could be good enough. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need a superstar. When you have a superstar roster, don't look to acquire guys that are good enough. Look to go in for the kill. Look to go. What did Warren Buffett say? When they asked Warren Buffett, how did you make all that money? He said, when everybody was cautious, I was greedy. And when everybody was greedy, I was cautious. Well, you know what? It's time to be greedy, 49ers. Don't go for these nibbling little adjustments on the end. Go for the hammer. You don't pay for above average, in my opinion. In the NFL, you pay a premium for star-level players. And in order to be able to afford your star-level players, you look to the draft to replace guys like Lawan. Lawan used to be great. He mm -hmm. is not what he used to be. He's not bad. Look, my brother's a Titans fan. I know quite a bit about Taylor Lawan. In terms of his attitude and locker room, he is their George Kittle. He's a very outgoing persona, very loud uh, type persona who drove that locker room and was a fan favorite. Problem is, he's missed 30 games in the last three seasons. Just can't count on him. And I'm losing my voice. Yeah, can't count on Levin's voice either. Uh, for context, he had a 67.3 PFF grade last year. Um, he played 64 offensive snaps. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's that's upsetting. We don't need more of that on the team. <laughs> Basically, he had an injury, came back from it, and got injured again. Mm. The Jimmy Garoppolo special. Elijah Mitchell special. There's too many guys. Yeah, he only played in two games. Um, I, I just don't know that you can do that. if you're. That's the one thing you can't do if you're the Niners. Enough of these injury, hoping this guy stays healthy stuff. It didn't work with Jason Verrett. It didn't work with Jimmy Garoppolo. Hasn't worked with Elijah Mitchell. You can't have that next year. And that's why I think, I, I think Elijah Mitchell's got an uphill battle, frankly. Um, I don't know if you saw this. David Lombardi and... Matt Barrows have done, an, they do these breakdowns every year. They're awesome after the season. They go through every position group on the team and they really like dig in and give you some really cool numbers. And they did the running backs this week and there was a line in there. Basically, it was like, don't lump in Ty Davis Price with Trey Sermon. The team is way higher. They speak way higher about Ty Davis Price than they did about Trey Sermon. And I think with Elijah Mitchell's injury problems, I wouldn't be shocked at all if TDP has a bigger role on the team next year. A uh, couple things. One, did you see, and I don't put a ton of weight into PFF, who the highest rated running back was if you eliminate snap count as a, you know, a minimum snap count? Yes, it was Jordan Mason. Yes. Who had the most yards after con average yards after contact of any running back in the league last year. If you, right, he's, he didn't get enough carries to qualify, but if you remove that, Jordan Mason was number one. Did you see his pass blocking grade on that? 
I did not. It was in the nineties. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so like I, I've said before, PFF, I don't put a lot of weight in. Oh, this guy ranked third. This guy ranked fifth. To me, there was this guy good. Was this guy yeah. mediocre? Was this right. guy bad? It means Jordan Mason was good. And then you have TDP on top of it. Uh, I will say that it would not shock me, although I think that would be considered the big shock of the offseason, if uh, Eli Mitchell ends up in, say, Tennessee. Rand Carthon was speaking glowingly of him at his press conference as uh, Titans GM. Let's say TDP, Jordan Mason show up. They've improved. The rookie part of it is gone. You think they can count on him? And I'm losing my voice again. I don't know what's going on. I've never lost my voice, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but at that point, if they show up to training camp and they're good, pick up the phone. Hey, will you give us a fifth? A sixth? I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for a fifth-round pick for Elijah Mitchell. You drafted him in the sixth, I think it was. So, I mean, you'd have to, again, they'd have to be willing to count on a guy that's banged up. But if it's Tennessee, you got Derrick Henry there. So you're not going to give the ball to Elijah Mitchell you know, 300 times a year. So maybe you're hoping that that's going to help with his health. And that would be a hell of a one-two combo for the Titans. And we just heard their GM talk about what went into drafting Eli Mitchell because he was with the 49ers. So you know that GM's probably pretty high on him. I would imagine so. Uh, That was a great story that Carthon told, by the way, where one of the staffers said, analytically, Elijah Mitchell looks like the best zone runner in this entire draft class, but... They took it to Rand Carthon. And he was like, can you watch the film and see if if the numbers are backed up by what your eyes tell you? And Carthon watched it and was like, yes, they do. So then they took it to Kyle Shanahan. And that was sort of the process, which is just an awesome behind the scenes thing. And of course, D'Amico Ryans uh, were, was expecting a linebacker to be drafted in that spot. And then they were watching the film of Elijah Mitchell during the draft. And they were like, mm, this guy's better. And uh They ended up taking Elijah Mitchell and in a great find, by the way, shout out to Leo Luna, because on Twitter, he pointed out that no linebacker taken after Elijah Mitchell has a single sack or 30 career solo tackles. So they made the right choice taking Elijah (laughs) Mitchell. Uh, Yes, they did. And like I said, if if they enter the season and they see enough from those other two to where Eli Mitchell is potentially being a third, fourth string. Why not see what you can get? I mean, they did it with, uh, um, oh my God, Jeff Wilson, right? They got Christian McCaffrey and they unloaded Jeff Wilson because they just didn't need him anymore. Good on the Niners. Uh, like you you mentioned earlier, the more draft picks you have, the better your chances are of hitting on them. So I would not be shocked at all if that happens. Taylor Lewan. $14 million a year. You want him? No. Not even close to that. By the way, if you think he's coming dirt cheap, like, a say, a vet minimum, he has a $2 million and something amount that he gets if he ends up not playing due to an injury guarantee. So, basically, you have to pay him more than vet minimum for it to even be worth it to him. You're, you're looking – I'm betting he gets somewhere like $9, 10000000 million a year. Somebody will pay him as a three-time – Pro Bowler still thirty one. Uh, somebody will pay him eight, eight, nine, ten million a year if he wants to play. I don't know. You said he's been banged up. Maybe he just says forget it. Um, but yeah, I, look, this is what we do now, right? Somebody gets released, we immediately filter it through the Forty Nine ers lens. Um, I'm gonna say pass on Taylor Lewan. They're gonna. I, I I agree with you. I don't want them to just give the job to McKivitz. 
but that doesn't mean you just sign anybody that happens to get released. And I've heard that this draft is a good draft for offensive linemen. Not going to lie. Haven't really dug into it too deeply. Um, but, you know, if, if it is, then you shouldn't sign Taylor Lewan. You should try and find one of those draft picks. You have 11 picks in this draft. You can use one of them on an offensive lineman. Uh, you can lo- use two. <laughs> that's allowed. Like, and that's, that was one of Tim's predictions. They have so many picks this year. They don't have that many roster spots once free agency and all that is figured out. So, like I said, take multiple shots into the barrel. Doesn't a bullet come out of the barrel? Not if you hit a fish. Are you talking like shooting fish in a barrel? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was weird. Do better. Maybe you're just not very good with analogies. I'm not very good with analogies. You made a confusing analogy. Don't blame me. I guess leave it in our reviews if you didn't get my more shots in the barrel reference. Prepare for defeat. Were you thinking barrel of the gun? That's what you were thinking. Yes, of course that's what I was saying, because that's what any rational person would say after that comment from you. (laughs) It was an analogy. It was dumb. (laughs) You think about that all this week. You sit with that. I I will definitely be thinking about that. (laughs) I mean, all I do, honestly, is rehash our podcast every week and learn, boy, how can I get as good as Rob? When your head hits the pillow and it's just you in the dark thinking about your day, you'll think of it. You won't want to, but it's going to pop into your head now. And there's nothing you could do about it. When my head hits the pillow... Normally, my hand is reaching over to mess with my wife. Don't want to know any more about anything that happens in that room after that. Well, I'm not saying in that way. I mean, when you got somebody that's stuck with you until death do you part, you can poke them and all that. And that makes it even worse. I wasn't meaning it in that way. I don't think that line is in there to test the bounds of of that promise, Levin. (laughs) I poke her in the side all the time with my finger. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy the week. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash at stats on fire. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast network, Gold Standard Podcast Network, Niners Nation Podcast Network. I promise you, hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have some developments there to make it a lot easier for you to find us. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.